Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Bleeding on the Page. The story you're about to listen to is called Tiddlywinks and it's written by Samuel Jones and Max Bardsley with additional sound effects and music by Ollie McAuley. Tiddlywinks. Yes, Captain? Send a Class 4 probe down to the surface of the planet Detramere. Whatever for, Captain? I have a sneaking suspicion that the Schnaufmans aren't sticking to the Sneeblance Agreement. I have detected no life signs on Detramere, Captain. There's only one way to find out. Corbanth, beam us down. Kiki, Corbanth. Thank you, Corbanth. Kapalapatu, Corbanth. Strange chap, Corbanth. Corbanth is one of the finest officers I have ever served with. You could learn a thing or two from him. Uh, sorry, Captain, I, I didn't think. Your readings were right, Tiddlywinks. It seems there are indeed no life signs on the surface of Detramere, which confirms my deepest suspicions. The Schnaufmans? Yes, they must be cloaking their life signs. We could be surrounded. Boop. Corbanth, beam us up immediately. Corbanth? Corbanth, do you copy? Captain, they must be using a communication dispersion field. <laughs> Damn it! Damn it! I suggest evasive maneuver 17. Set faces to kill. We don't know how many there could be. The Schnaufmans use man's greatest weakness as a weapon. Our lust for power? No, love. The one thing that'll stop a man in his tracks, blind him, make him foolish, make him slow. It ruins you and it's what ruined Detramere. Oh, oh God, Captain. I, I can feel the Schnaufmans. They're in my brain. Tiddlywinks, Tiddlywinks, don't let the Schnaufmans get in your brain. Tiddlywinks. The Schnafflins won't get in my head. I, I won't let Captain, them. Captain, I love you. I, I, I love want you to too. make love to oh, you, Captain. I, I love you, Tiddlywinks. Hold me. Toby, your dinner's ready. Coming, Mum. Sorry, we, we, we can keep playing after dinner. I, I, I have to go for dinner. Oh, right. Sh shall I come down with you or shall I stay up here? My mum's weird. Just stay up here. I'll be quick. Is your friend not going to come down for dinner? No, he's already eaten. Well, he's been coming round here a lot. He's my best friend, mum. Yeah, well, friendships don't last. Especially at your age. Hell, even at my age. When I first met your father, cool, the sparks were flying. I was like a battery all charged and ready to go. It was passionate. It was like a flame in a forest fire. But just like everything else, it ran out of juice. It fizzled out and died. Mum, do you think you could give me something else for dinner aside from just peas? What? But it's your favourite. Potter's buttery peas. 
cooking a romantic roast dinner but forgotten the peas? Time for Potters to step in. Hello? Look, man, I, I know I don't know you, but I'm your neighbour, Chris. Are you okay? You, you look flustered. I, I've been making a roast dinner uh, for my girlfriend. It's our five-year anniversary, and I, I, I wanted it to be special, but, but I've forgotten the peas. She's going to be here any minute now, and I've forgotten the sodding peas. Do you have any? Yes, I do. Oh, amazing. Can I borrow some? No. What? Why? Because I work hard to be able to pay for my Potter's buttery peas, and I don't know you from Jack. I I'll pay you. I I've got money. I don't want or need your money. Well, there must be something I can give you in exchange for Potter's buttery peas. Your baby toe. Give me your baby toe. What, 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 what on earth do you want that for? To eat. I I'm a cannibal. Oh, no way. Oh, come on. You don't even need it. You'll give me the peas. I will give you the whole bag of Potter's buttery peas. Do you, do you have a knife? I have a rusty box cutter. All right, fine. Yes. Potter's buttery ah! peas. So good you'll give a toe for him. Eat your peas! Next on Tiddlywinks, it's time to go back to the magic allotment with Happy Cabbage and Grumpy Cabbage. It's Happy Cabbage and Grumpy Cabbage. Yay! What a beautiful day at the bottom of Mr. and Mrs. Burnham's allotment. The birds are chirping, the crickets are cricketing, and the sprightly red squirrel scuttles around with nuts in his mouth. What a fantastical day to be me. Happy Cabbage, Mr. and Mrs. Barnum's prized cabbage. I've won all the awards at every vegetable show, all the way from Ipswich to Nottingham. But the thing I'm most thankful for is my best friend, Grumpy Cabbage. Fuck off! What? Why so blue, Grumpy Cabbage? Fuck off! I don't want to talk to you! Get out of my fucking face! We're not friends, okay? We're not friends! Fuck off! You really are one grumpy cabbage. Listen, if you don't stop following me, I will fucking glass you! God, I can't believe they put this smut on the airwave. More coke. Yeah, yeah, okay. <sighs> what are we watching? Flushed away. Ugh. like baths. They remind me of being a fetus. I pull the plug and I'm flushed away. Flushed away. Flushed away. I'm flushed away. Flushed away too. Oh no, we lost the gem again. Coming to a cinema near you. Bravo. Wow. Very good. Oscar. Very, very, very good. good. That Wonderful. Was, Welcome uh, to Bleeding on the Page podcast. I'm really? Samuel Jones. With me is Max Barsley. Jonathan Barney. Jonathan, Jonathan Barney. Max Barsley. No, Jonathan here. Barney. I changed my name. When? Whilst I was away. Oh, let's do it again. Jonathan <laughs> Barney, ladies and gentlemen. Jonathan Barney. Hello. <laughs> what, your voice changed as well? Well, yeah, it's a whole new thing I'm trying. Hello, how are you? <coughs> I'm Jonathan Barney. 
very sadly he doesn't i don't like films anymore (laughs) i'm quitting right now okay um but no yeah tiddlywinks that was tiddlywinks that you just listened to audio sketch drama a little sketch drama (laughs) i think i've invented a term for it yeah writing that was we found that very very Mm. fun to write me and sam have had a busy um weekend generally uh we've been up and around the place we we were in manchester to do that bbc interview that's right we were on bbc breakfast vibrant 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 lives me and sam (laughs) showbiz night that's us that's us to the bone no actually it was actually really weird and surreal because we were just sitting there crack getting ready to crack on to write more, more and then they were nonsense. like we need you in manchester we would like you in manchester in an hour and we're like okay and then so we were on our way we wrote we wrote the last city. bit of tiddlywings in an hour but in your hotel uh, in room. the hotel in my yeah. hotel room yeah together in the bath yes um <laughs> <laughs> that was right we lit some candles because uh, we don't have access to a bath very often no so we lit some candles yeah. got in it together and typed away we and we were just bath. making jokes after jokes that's where the flushed away came from because yeah, so we, we were in the worried bar, and i was yeah. like oh i feel a bit like a fetus here <laughs> yeah and sam was like me too really yeah and uh, you feel vulnerable it was a real synergy we it had was there. it was it was we should write all our stuff in the bath, in the bath all of tiddlywinks was written in the bath i believe um, yeah but i mean this is going to be a more of a relaxed mini episode because we're relaxing uh, yeah. no yeah. I, I, it's, I, been a, I, it's been a hectic day we're a, we're a hectic week for us so we've been on tv and it's uh you know sketch comedy each one was slightly different obviously the one we started off with was uh a star trek parody uh that yeah. became kids playing around that was, be- around. That was because we were watching lots of star trek at the time star trek the is next sort of, generation yeah yeah star trek the next generation is sort of like me and sam's like um meditation relaxing show it's like i and think it's one wanting of the, to write a star trek uh, story phase yeah so we, just, <laughs> so we started off with just making some really well, bullshit star trek sound yeah tiddly we thought it'd be a funny name for a star trek we just like the idea of um we just like the idea of jean-luc picard turning someone going tiddly wanks <laughs> yes captain <laughs> yeah funny. but obviously the biggest influence of this is monty python yeah um i've been a bit obsessed with monty python Sounds the last going, couple of weeks going down a really weird hole yeah um he's uh changed his, how he looks he looks more like a python now that's right yeah. um and he's been eating snake uh I don't which know is a famous monty python well because they're called the monty pythons i think it's like a symbolic thing for you yeah he keeps on saying that unrelated yeah and um you've been I, well, I was eating smoking a lot of cigarettes because <laughs> you classic know python. they were from the 60s that's what they were doing um, yeah, and being I mean, more sexist as but well. But I mean, you you don't really like Monty Python. Well, actually, before. this is well, one of the things I, I might have converted you. Yeah, this was one of the things I was going to say is um, finally, I never. Yeah, it's been ages. Sam's always loved Monty Python, and it's not that I've disliked Monty Python. It's just that I didn't like. I didn't quite understand. I couldn't quite find my the way of getting into it. I couldn't find my angle for it. Yeah, because exactly. you thought it was a bit too sort of posh English, like sort of middle upper class. I do still find Oxford's that Oxford's Cambridge humour. Yeah, I do. Can I do still with. find it a little bit, but it, it's when you learn about the people. Mm. Um, I think you know it's weird actually because I haven't told this to you until live on the podcast, but I think it's because I actually find John Cleese a little bit annoying. Yeah. Which is why I like Terry Jones, because he was the most combative to John Cleese. Yeah, they were the two that were sort of at war the most. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, John Cleese is the tall one. He does silly walks, uh, and he um, often played characters who were like lawyers. Yeah, he was the stuck-up one. Yeah, yeah, headmasters. He was very like sort of 
you know, he has a great amount of status. It's quite hard for John Cleese to play like sort of a low status character, I think, because yeah. he's he's got that kind of like authoritarian like kind of power yeah. to him. But I think the scripts he writes are usually very wordy. Yeah. Have you seen like the cheese shop sketch? No. That's when John Cleese goes into a cheese shop and the the joke is, you'll love this, they don't have any cheeses. Um, but John Cleves <laughs> persists to say, oh, I have some lovely Edam. Oh, we're fresh out of that, I'm afraid. How about, and he just goes through every single cheese, and that's <laughs> right. the entire sketch, basically. Right, yeah. It's just him listing all the different kinds of cheeses. That is just like, it's kind of funny, but it's not like really funny. <laughs> it's either. quite tedious, really. It's, it's a little quite bit, a tedious sketch. It's a bit indulgent in a way, and it's not, it, the punchline isn't that like funny. Yeah to warrant like spending that much time with it and i understand all oh, that becomes the joke but it's but what, what their last film is what really like made me enjoy their sketch stuff yeah and understand yeah. what was special about the sketch stuff because i've always liked their films i really like holy grail and life of brian yeah uh, i really enjoy that and that and um they did four films in total yeah, I like Holy yeah. Grail, Life of Brian, and then the last one they made as well. Meaning really of enjoyed. Life. Meaning of Life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meaning of Life is what made me really enjoy their sketch stuff, though. Cause yeah, because like, that was made in more. the 80s. Yeah. Like 10 years after their first film came out, which was also like sketches. Yeah. But this time, Terry Jones was just like <laughs> directing it, and it was yeah. like him directing like a sketch movie, basically. <laughs> yeah. And he's just like having so much, like, it's so like visual. It like, is. As, yeah. a, as a comedy. Like, it's funny, though. What's, what's interesting about it is some of the sketches in that do walk the line, and they, they could almost have been sketches for movie 43. <laughs> yeah. But the punchlines are handled with so much better class and kind of awareness. That it never, it never obviously becomes that cringy. It never gets that. What was your favorite from that? that you know movie? the one that was my favorite. Uh, yeah, the one with the fat guy <laughs> who comes into the fancy restaurant and, and starts. He wants everything on the over. bucket with three fried eggs on top. <laughs> yeah, he wants the quail's eggs fried on top. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. And he's just vomiting everywhere. Yeah. It's um, so funny when they put the menu up in front of him. He goes, yeah, it's, it's like projectile. It, it's just how like disgusting it is. It's like genuinely like grotesque because the vomit is so disgustingly done and then woman comes over and she's scooping her <laughs> up with a shovel her, yeah. and he vomits on her back but i love it because it continues because part of that sketch is also the waiter going come on follow me i'll show you and you follow with the waiter for I'll ages show you the meaning of life i'll show you the meaning of life follow me and you follow and the camera follows the waiter for ages and the punchline is that is just like well, fuck you then. <laughs> fuck you. Get the, get the fuck Who out of you to judge me? And like. that is funny. Someone just saying fuck you is funny. Yeah, because... Yeah. Um, and that's kind of one of the funny things is, is Monty Python does relish in its simplicity as well. Yeah, because that Crusoe sketch was written entirely by Terry Jones. Yeah. And his his writing partner was Michael Palin, so they usually wrote everything together. Yeah. But he just sat down with Michael Palin and was like, oh, yeah, I've got this really good idea. <laughs> like something mm. he's just like really fat and he just like gets one waffle thin mint and explodes <laughs> and he's like wow that's amazing and then when it came to the movie he's directing in it and he's playing cruiser he didn't want to yeah like, no, he i had know to. um and i think i think it is like one of those it's one of those ideas that's like 
it seems like it sh- it should have been done before, but it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, it's almost it's, like biblical. Yeah, it's just it's just it's completely like greed being showcased in the funniest way and just being pushed to the absolute limit of what greed looks like. And um, it, and it's there's something so funny about the contrast of this fine dining restaurant area being juxtaposed with this ridiculously fat man <laughs> who walks around just throwing fat. up on everything. It conveys a complete abomination out of like the their food with someone of the one of the other people in the restaurant throws up a bit and yeah. goes, oh how <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and i think um when we were writing as well that the gut cruzo's energy was what we like <laughs> what we brought in with angry cabbage with happy well, i've had that idea for ages we've had that idea for ages but i mean in the perfor- final it's, performance yeah, of it it's always been happy cabbage angry cabbage has always been like an ironic idea yeah for like a show me that and Sam. i've always pitched earnestly and max has always shot down <laughs> <laughs> it was, I, it's just funny and that like, became more funny than the actual bit itself the, it's I, just me being like yeah and they they you know they discover they look into the homelessness <laughs> epidemic and once so, moldy and uh, I've got this idea for a show. It's um, it's called Happy Cabbage and Grumpy Cabbage. And what it's about is two cabbages at the bottom of an allotment and they just get into lots of scrapes together. What do you reckon? Happy Cabbage, Grumpy Cabbage? Yeah. Um, but I, like uh, the Shrek donkey dynamic. Like yeah. The like, classic, like, one's happy, one's grumpy, Spongebob yeah. and Squidward. The, Spongebob and Squidward doesn't have... Oh, Squidward, yeah. yeah. I thought you were like... Spo- but yeah. Spongebob and Patrick are really the duo of that show. Yeah, but Squidward's what makes it was... works, man. Squidward's is what makes it work. Are you saying you know Squidward I mean? brings it all together? He, yeah, man. Every top episode's got Squidward <laughs> in. I like I'm not a SpongeBob yeah, yeah. enthusiast you like off. you. Yeah, you back off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just don't saying. Mess with me, man. I don't watch your baby shows. I watch adult shows. Uh, like Sword Art Online. Is actually genius. <laughs> I did you ever watch the marvelous misadventures of Flapjack? Totally off topic, but no, it's didn't. made by the same guys. Oh, is it good? Yeah, it is. The oh, animation's I have seen really that. good. Yeah, yeah. I've actually seen that. It's about like a weird, grotesque, like sausage pirate traveling with like a young boy, <laughs> and they really like lean into how weird that is. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, with Terry Jones, because he might be your favorite. Yeah, potentially. I think he is. Yeah, because I also think he makes the sketches that I find funniest. Yeah, he did. A, he did sort of, you know, he really wanted to be a filmmaker, and he got to half direct with Terry Gilliam for. Holy, uh, Grail, Holy Grail, which yeah. was horrific. They well, they had sh- a really hard time, yeah, but the had, results were good. Yeah, but they had to do like shifts. They had to like, I'm too tired now. You take over and mm, direct. Mm. Whereas if he was like, you're going to do duo directing, you wouldn't really do it like a tag team. No, it, it should together. be more collaborative. Yeah. Well, obviously, I mean, you know, it's all about like having a singular vision in a directing process. And I think there were points where they were together, but there were, you get the sense that there were other points where they were at odds with each other. Yeah, yeah. But I think it, it does sort of work in the movie because there's so many like really beautiful visuals. Yeah. And then when it comes to the comedy, there's quite a lot of you know, like really good stuff. Oddly, the contrast is complementary to the script in a way with it being a series of sketches that kind of contribute to a larger plot. Terry Jones comes in and he's actually very good at capturing those sketches and he's good at filming on location and kind of bringing that together and getting that work out of the actors in a really good way. But when it comes to those bigger moments in the plot and those bigger, more encompassing moments that are threading the grander narrative together, that's where Terry Gilliam actually becomes... Because it needs that larger scale visual and that's where Terry Gilliam becomes really useful. So I think that 
that actual conflict could have been could have potentially been helpful to the script for the film that you end up getting yeah i mean it's funny because terry gilliam is in the film as this old decrepit man he's mm. like what is your favorite color yeah what? yeah <laughs> that's like one of the directors and then the other one's just like he's like all pale and pasty and yeah. he's like but father yeah there's like covered in acne <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like so funny that you don't really get to see comedy films where the writers and directors are acting in it itself and the way they wrote it were like they all just said all right we're doing you know we're doing the king arthur story we're doing the holy grail story they all went off and read it and then they just all wrote little sketches this is what's and then put it together like a dove like devising like this, a theater piece this is what's interesting about this is what makes monty python kind of fun as an idea because it's not something you really come across that much and actually when you do quite often because it's less people it can be a little bit like cringe in a mm. way sometimes I'll, I'll i'll sort of elaborate that in a bit but like it's it's a unique situation to have you know a team of like six or seven is it it's six it's yeah. six yes yeah, a team of six people all really strong characters as well personalities when you find out about them as individuals except for like michael palin they're all really the most <laughs> they're all really distinctive and kind of assertive people and not only are they writing creating those things those these films and projects from scratch but they're like performing in most of it they're acting in most of it and they're sort of being behind every step of the creation of it and even overseeing editing and, and music as well and that's like six people who are all just coming together to make that and there's something really cool about that there's just something really old you know it's something that like that feeling that feeling that you get from them i think is like what you feel when you see people making really fun stuff on youtube or you find yeah, like exactly. a really cool internet gem because it's got that personal basis to it yeah um i was gonna say that all of them would probably be youtubers yeah around now yeah yeah you could really kind funny. of see you yeah. could you you could sort of see that in a way yeah yeah you could perceive it because also like it's interesting that's only like one of them comes from an actual like theater or film background yeah well yes it's sort of weird because they they all went to like oxford or cambridge apart from terry gilliam who's american and terry jones terry jones went to uh he went to uh oxford oh him and Palin, they both met in Oxford. Mm. And that's when they started writing. And they had a show called uh, Do Not Adjust Your Shet Set, yeah. which for kids. Um, yeah. But John Cleese and Graham Chapman were watching it like religiously. <laughs> and then they, and then John Cleese really had like... G Graham Chapman insinuates that John Cleese had lo like a little crush on him, <laughs> which insinuates he was a bit jealous of that dynamic because <laughs> Graham Chapman's gay, but he's also this doctor. And John Cleese ends up marrying one of his psychiatrists. Yeah, so yeah. like the dynamics are really interesting if you read it through those lenses. <laughs> They're just like, oh yeah, everyone likes Palin. <laughs> and then they just brought on everyone from Do Not Adjust Your Set. And yeah. that's why they have such like a, a huge amount of people collaborating yeah. on scripts together. But I think the most interesting thing I've been looking into Python lately is like what they've all been doing after Python ended. Like, I think that was, like, well, really other interesting. Other than shriveling up. Yeah, exactly. Other than becoming all shrivelly and old. Because, like, none of them really succeeded. No. Like, none of them. Well, apart from maybe John... Terry Gilliam, who made, like, who's made, who's quite an established film director. He made Fear and Loathing Las Vegas, like, yeah. 12 Monkeys, like, Brazil. But, like, you know, he's done two films in the last, like, 10 years and, like, neither of them. Yeah, but he is more sort of... He's still held to a higher standard than someone like... He's Eric Idle. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. the, the, he, he definitely has... A, he People see him as 
going beyond Python or existing beyond Python. Yeah, he did, in yeah. the sense that but you don't see that least, with... he was the least person that contributed exactly. to Python. But also in a way, in a way, someone I think it could be argued one of the most important as oh, well. Oh, they're all equally important. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, I think Terry Gilliam ultimately can uh, really pin down the aesthetic of Monty Python for them. Yeah, the aesthetic definitely. And uh, yeah. I think the aesthetics were all were very important as well like monty mm, python did yeah. exist aesthetically yeah yeah because like i was looking graham chapman he just like made two movies mm. and he had a tv show before he was the first python to get his own tv show yeah and it was called from the trees from the trees from the trees and it had um it was co-written by douglas adams right so i'm like oh my god there's a graham chapman tv show it's a comedy co-written by douglas adams this must be like really good yeah there's one episode online and it's awful really? it's like terrible really it's like really bad it's like really crap python really yeah that's tragic so it's that's disappointing but he i think the best thing he did was his book yeah he did this he wrote a book called the lies autobiography which is like half autobiography but it's like they made a movie out of that which yeah. is also bad <laughs> and, but you can see also like the mum in our in tiddlywinks is like pretty much like ripping off like monty python mums oh and yeah stuff exactly like that. which could be potentially sexist but i still find it funny so. i don't know it's just if like it's, i, I yeah. feel like when you caricature things so far so much yeah it just goes beyond she's not even human yeah, like she's, she's just she's like, like a weird yeah. a surreal person and then and the biggest thing that i think we were trying out with this um because we were interested in sketches and the formatting of sketch shows and I think the biggest thing that we were like lifting from Python isn't actually so much like the content because I think we were just going like you can't even really do yeah. Python content anymore I mean anyway. without without being like an entire complete hack of it really yeah yeah because I kind of did it but what we did take in a huge way is like how we what we tried to do and look, look into is how like Python's transition yeah. from their sketch comedies because one of the things I realized that makes Python feel quite unique as a sketch comedy is that oftentimes really they don't like have punchlines. No, they, they don't, don't really like end on punchlines. Yeah, it's yeah. never really a build up and payoff scenario. It's more like a, a series of like quick and weird, funny circumstances, which like leave or space for your own brain to make yeah. f fill in and find more comedy in. But that was the main thing that they decided to do was like take away punchlines because yeah. all sketches had punchlines and they thought that was shit. Yeah, like that's awful. And what they and were so they just they just wrote sketches and then when they got bored of them. Them, they just cut them short and replace them with something and, else and that's what they did is like when you, so because their, their sketches don't really have like endings they're always like open and can be revisited it makes the it makes the monty python show feel really organic with the places that it goes and i think that's what they did is they replaced like punchlines with like really making transitions jokes and finding comedy in transitioning from subject matter to subject matter yeah yeah um and that's and i think that's what we were looking at here and this is what like python does is they don't just go from like one sketch to another like in your traditional sketch show format they will actually go they'll do a sketch and then suddenly something will something will link something else and now you're in an advert and the format of the of the narrative that's being told to you changes entirely yeah yeah um, and, and then they revisit things and go back or reoccurring jokes i mean exactly. i think in their first episode they've got this whole thing about sheep where they've just got on a blackboard loads of sheep drawn out mm. and then they sit down and there's a, sh a pig squeak and it's like and then they just like shoot it 
and then they cross out one of the sheep on the board <laughs> and there's just like a reoccurring thing they yeah. just keep crossing sheep out yeah 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 and it's like it's funny but like yeah. it's not a narrative structure no actually interesting is like the monty python movies the life of brian and uh, uh holy grail they're both they're both like non-structural like they don't follow like a narrative structure no. they're like one of the only films that have done well that don't follow because it's standard the, story it, structure they are they do still feel like sketches this feels like you jump from sketch to sketch sketch is not really having set punchlines but being funny <laughs> and then coming out and then but you're sort of delivered this plot as well it it, it, it feels kind of art housey it's like it's meandering through its plot like in a relaxed way but they are they're very tight scripts because you're constantly being delivered jokes and kind of witty dialogue so you don't mind spending a lot of time in one place and meandering like that because you don't the back and forth is so entertaining story about the try the grail and you don't care no you don't care whether arthur's gonna really get the grail or not it's not really about that yeah well uh, this is the problem is i went in caring about that so much that i was like i don't get it at all because i wasn't focused on the jokes i was focused on the story um but it's it but it's when you're revisiting and you you know what it is um and you know what you're actually getting you start to see all the clever all the fun and clever stuff that they yeah. put in because then in Life of Brian which is directed by Terry Jones on his own um, is, is really great you know visually it looks sick and it's it's because it's got Terry Gilliam sort of on more of the art design kind of stuff yeah. and then Terry Gilliam didn't make a film for 20 years and he made that one with Simon Pegg absolutely anything you mean terry jones yeah terry didn't jones. make a joke yeah 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 terry gilliam did yeah he was terry films, jones the right, left right and center he just left he didn't do a film for 20 years and he came back at, sort of out of retirement to make this film yeah and then um he's got people thinking there's a messiah in that one as well do you oh, remember really? yes one of the things he makes in that is that you should worship him uh like to the his friend loves this girl and he he makes her like worship him and she mm. builds like a cult up oh, so yeah. they have like frenzied fans yeah yeah i sort of do running, remember that running in the same way they have in life of brian so mm-hmm. he just like rips himself off like <laughs> entirely did they does he does he have a stronger like filmic structure in that one or is it uh no not loose? really is it it's, is but it it's not like ends? it's sort of like a series of sketches yeah, yeah. that's sort of how it feels yeah um, the problem is is like it feel, I it feels like weird getting simon Pegg. I it's weird it's like Simon Pegg it has like like changes in, in my esteem all the time sometimes I'm always like oh yeah Simon Pegg's great and other times I'm like oh Simon Pegg though he's a bit tedious yeah because so, he, he's just gone through a period where he's shown up in crap like it was originally going to be Benedict Cumberbatch really yeah that, that would have been it was written in the 90s which is partly why it's so odd. Yeah. it was written in the 90s. So it's like it was a made 90s. in 2017 or whatever. That's so weird. Yeah. And now he's got dementia so bad that he can't speak. Which is really sad. Which yeah. is awful. Like, I, I hope it's just like sort of a prank and he's going to come out and make another movie. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a prank with Andy Kaufman. I don't yeah. think it will be with Terry Jones. Yeah, it's a shame. Always was, holding I out. can't believe he directed the whole movie and now... And now he can't hold... Only a couple of years later. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? so it's good to they're good it's like hard because you they are so like the problem with the monty python is that they filled in such a niche this is what i was saying is like the reason that they could never like actually establish careers after is because what they were doing was so unique to them and so niche and filled in you know the only way they they actually were able to work was in their own sort of production company in an environment they completely controlled and when you send them off as individuals like you know that that niche 
got diluted and it yeah. wasn't as good. Because Eric because... Idle and, and Graham Chapman, they just ended up being like friends of celebrities in Las Vegas, in Los Angeles. Yeah. They just drive around and just be fr- associates mm. of known people, but they wouldn't actually do anything and, you know, take a lot of cocaine. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't until Eric Idle, he was doing tours at, to try and get money. He did a greedy bastard tour. He actually called it the greedy bastard tour. <laughs> but then he came up with spam a lot and now he's got loads of money and all the Pythons have loads of money because of that. Oh, yeah. And at first they were like, oh, this is crap. And then they found out I was getting loads of money. They were like, you know what? It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Terry Jones was Don't angry they... about it originally. Was and then he? he was like, oh, once the royalties came in. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's so funny. Because <laughs> um, I forgot what I was going to say now. I, I had something. It's more about like what the Pythons were oh yeah so yeah because this is what i mean so well yeah don't they get a lot of royalties from the actual monty python shows then well yeah but it's like they got like barely anything from the show they only really had loads of money when holy grail went to number one in america and i guess you they couldn't keep riding off that and they just had loads of money and then life of brian got the money and they did a lot of tours um and their records sold really well as well mm. but then yeah now spam a lot is what's bringing in the bacon bringing in the bacon for the monty python uh, yeah i'm reading Aren't eric doing... idol's book at the moment yeah road to mars which oh is, yeah yeah how's that been you know it's actually really good there's a character in there that's just like data oh cool he's an android studying comedy and oh. he's like exactly the same as D- data from the next generation there's an episode where Data is studying yeah, comedy as well. Yeah, it, I swear it's a, like they've read Eric Idle's book because it's exactly the same. Well, that's cool. Yeah, it's it's very funny so far. It's called Road to Mars. He really originally wanted it to be a movie, but then he just was like, oh, it's too difficult <laughs> to get everyone. Or just publish it. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, he had, he, he, have you heard of The Ruttles? No. The Ruttles is like a bad Beatles spoof. Oh, is that from him? That's from Eric Idle, yeah. And there was a Ruttles movie, which he co-wrote and (laughs) co-directed. No, he directed on his own, co-wrote it. And then like 10 years later, he made The Ruttles 2. But he did it like with someone else. And the guy who co-wrote the first one like can't even watch it because it's so bad. Oh God, that's embarrassing. And then Michael Palin's film career, like he he left the Pythons, and then he wrote a film uh, called The Missionary, which he starred in, mm. which is about oh a priest who has a priest or someone who has to, he has to have sex. Yeah, I haven't seen it. <laughs> it's about but something like, like that. that the queen watched it and the queen oh good it. for her good and for then her he wrote a script called uh, american friends and he was like really like really anxious about it being shit basically he's like oh no oh no and then mgm said they didn't want to make it he's like damn it they figured me out damn it they found out i'm a lousy writer because you don't really know if you're a good writer or not it's very hard to tell it sometimes. is hard to tell yeah and then they do make it and he he does it with John Cleves's ex-wife Connie Booth which I'm like that's an interesting decision yeah. but this film was like destroyed it was like slated by critics and then he just went and did a bunch of traveling <laughs> films he, he became like Anthony Bourdain a, he stopped being an artist basically also whilst we were writing this we did watch a great deal of Always Sunny as well yeah. which I think um it is a show that we're also always watching a little bit of, but this time I think because we were doing well, comedy, yeah, we, we were. We've got a new housemate who hasn't seen that much of it. So yeah, we've and we've been, showing, we've been showing it to him. But I thought that was a interesting point of kind of, I don't know, it's just like particularly 
it, it was I to me I think it's just like the edginess of like always sunny and python made us like want to go like weird and edgy and sweary with this well, with the coke I mean, and stuff yeah yeah i think i think there's always a part of it's always sunny because that's sort of your number one show yeah always, yeah i can't i don't I know what like it is you're always gonna have a bit of it's always sunny I, you know because what, what i you. love that always sunny does is like one of its indulgences that it constantly does and it's indulgence that we constantly do as well is that they they just love things escalating into pointless arguments that like have no real conclusion. It's just like the absurdity of the nature of people <laughs> arguing about the subject matter yeah, yeah. that they ride off. And it's just like how the the actors of Voice Sunny like perform anger. It's so funny to me. It's <laughs> <laughs> like yeah yeah the bit where you're screaming damn it yeah it's yeah. funny yeah and it's just like angry people just like gets me every yeah, time but they are just kids performing as well in the meta narrative of in the meta narrative it is just children playing a game yeah, in someone's which is why basement you can really film this because it would look odd well you know the way i think about it is actually what you do is you'd you'd fully sell the fake star trek setting so you'd have adults and you'd have them start to make out and then you'd hear the interruption and then you snap to kids like embracing um because mm. i think i think you'd have to sell it to the people watching visually that it's the kids imagination yeah um so you'd have to step in their heads completely and see what they're imagining is happening it's all easier this with themselves. one person as opposed to two he could just be watching porn or maybe but yeah but i like start, the, I, just, I think it's yeah. funny to make fun of that like kids just like it's like kids playing doctors and nurses which like everyone does at various points to different like degrees like i just think that's funny to make a joke out of. yeah yeah no i mean it was uh, it was definitely like once we had that as we, the ending of that <laughs> we were like a lot happier with it i think yeah sort of knew where it was going potter's buttery peas as well as just the name we spent ages doing pee, pee just like improving pee adverts Im improving pee adverts and just like coming up with pee brand names as well like because we had potter's peas we were just doing potter's peas every pea is individually grown in a pot like yeah, yeah. <laughs> Each pea is checked by one of our pea checkers. <laughs> we had like the idea yeah. of like peas that were there's like peas, but we're taking the wrinkles out of them. Yeah. But I'm um, like peas don't have wrinkles in them when you like cook them. But I like the idea that they, they no one likes seeing a wrinkly pea, so we yeah. get rid of them before you can cook them. Something funny about a pea advert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I don't really need to be advertised peas to buy them. No. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. They need to be sold to me, but yeah. also I don't get committed to brands either. Yeah, cuz I mean Eric Idol, he was the sort of python that sort of took the most fun out of TV and like television mm. and like played around with that. And I think that's sort of what we we would like to do. Um Yeah, cuz you wanted to do real peas. You wanted to advertise actual an actual brand of peas. We usually do. We yeah. usually do, yeah. We usually want to do real brands cuz it's a bit funnier. Yeah, the idea of, but it's, I think it's funnier when you can really recreate like the brand's like look and energy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think he was the Python that wanted to take the piss out of the TV, which was like sort of quite new then yeah. to be able to do that. Uh, I think that that was quite a stir. And like, I think the new equivalent of that is taking the piss out of, you know, advertisements. Yeah, because well, they're everywhere. Advertisements have really gotten everywhere now. Well, TV and adverts are just everywhere. But everyone's making fun of TV and adverts nowadays. Like everything's like meta as hell. Everything, everyone's making fun of everything. Really. Yeah, so like mostly my films are now making fun of themselves. Oh yeah, now it's for our time for our favorite section. Uh, in the cinema, in the in cinema. cinema. Me and Sam saw the new Spider-Man at the cinema. We did, spoilers. 
Oh, we good. do a spoiler-free review. Yeah, probably. Max liked it more than me. I liked it more than Sam. It's really, I think it's really silly and Jack Kirby-esque. Um, but it, it definitely, like, I do understand the problems that it has. It, I, I think it is just, like, you have two-thirds of the film are really campy, uh, direct from comics in terms of comic of the day, Spider-Man story. So you're not getting graphic novel-level Spider-Man stories. You're getting the weekly published Spider-Man stories for, like, two-thirds of this movie. Um, I didn't like, pay for these cheap weekly <laughs> yeah. flimsy yeah, comic like, oh, i paid for a big blockbuster but I experience like that. and he's like oh i like this girl ah. and it's like that for like two-thirds of the movie yeah. like most, most of, it. of it is that yeah. and then and then the end is when it's like okay we're turning it up again and then that is like pretty much like the best like the best ending to like most superhero films that i saw because i just thought the action was really fun and pacey i think you and were, the film was cool you had nostalgia glasses on yeah, maybe, but <laughs> that's what it did for me. I so. think you became a crying man-child. <laughs> I was critical sque- edge. I was squealing like a schoolgirl. I was squealing like yeah, a schoolgirl. I was like, that will. I couldn't suspend my disbelief. And yeah. Like, oh. He was. Sam was really like grounded in reality, I and was. I was just like, yes, Spider-Man. You thought you were. Spider-Man I don't care afterwards. anymore. I I can't care anymore. I've watched twenty-one of these movies now. I'm going to watch all of them. <laughs> I can't care. Yeah, you have to see the new MCU film, new Spider-Man film. They're events. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, I thought it was good. Um, I I really like Tom Holland still, but I think they lost his character. What made his character so good? What made his character? so good yeah what made his no. character so good his we... dynamic with mj was What's, it wasn't what, what was the first film what they did is they flanderized the same they yeah. flanderized spider-man and mary well. jane in it as well and she was quite M- no yeah, yeah or as we like to call it m jizzle <laughs> <laughs> if i was trying to figure out if i was spider-man if i was peter parker i'd be going up to go hey what's up m jizzle <laughs> jizzle to the rizzle they should really be freaked out, I hey imagine. Hey guys, it's me, Peter Parker. Yeah. And, and. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, um, well, and that's so there the we go. There's our little in the cinema section. That was, that was it. Um, and that was tiddlywinks. Do you check us out on BBC Breakfast where you can see us talking about The Lion King. Wow. <laughs> and then check us out on YouTube where we have our YouTube channel, Nitpicks. Email in at Nitpicks Inquiries. Subscribe. You just gave the wrong email address. It's you do it. You inquiries do it. at nitpicks.co.uk. Well, we'll stick around for, to hear that. So it's fine. You fixed it. <laughs> yeah, so it's all right. Don't look at me like that, though. Jeez. Um, and then uh, subscribe to us on uh, the podcasting app that you're listening to us on. Leave a and comment, leave a, a review. Review and uh, tell, tell your girlfriend about us. Tell her. Tell her. Whisper it in her ear <laughs> during bedtime. Be <laughs> really close to her. <laughs> Be really close to her and go, Have you ever listened to Bleeding? <laughs> and you do that just as she's falling asleep every night and if she mentions it like honey are you saying have you checked out bleeding on the page to me in, in my ear every night you go no you just gaslight the shit out of her wonderful I love you dating <laughs> advice you need dating advice email them the more if you have uh, questions about your relationship email them in at inquiries at nitpicks at nitpicks.co.uk thank you bye bye bye
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 